Welcome to Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. This episode is so interesting. Liz Murdoch of Talking with the Dogs is our featured guest. She's an animal communicator with her master's in international education and communication from Teachers College at Columbia University, plus continuing education in animal communication and energy healing. She has been a successful dog trainer and has spent over 16 years teaching and training children and adults in active listening and accessing intuitive abilities. What I love about Liz is her ability to use her skills practically. She provides insight as to why a dog may be going through changes. Is it health, behavior, or are they simply unhappy about something? She finds lost dogs, and most importantly, she helps her clients understand and relate to their dog. I then talk about how exercises change perception and behavior, and I use the feedback of three listeners from the previous episode who applied the exercises I suggested for On Leash Walk. I talk about how it is important for the training method to not predetermine the end goal. I use a client example, and that client adopted their year-old dog a month prior to us working together. So stay tuned. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, your host and successful dogologist for over three decades. So let's get started. Let's meet Liz. Hey, Liz, how are you doing? Nice to have you. Good. Nice to have you here. Thanks so much. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So you're really like, we kind of go back a little bit on social media, but we've never really met each other. No, it's funny how you get to know someone just by chatting and texting and all that. But yeah, it's nice to see you. Yeah, you too. It's so great. It is. It's so much more personal. But yeah, I feel like I already know you. So let's get uh, let's get the listeners to know you a little bit. Okay. So I think one question that they really have is, is why would somebody hire you? Like, what is your common, I get asked that, you know, what's your common claim? It seems obvious, but it's kind of not. Can you share that with us? Yeah. Yeah. So people hire me and sometimes even a dog trainer will hire me when they're trying to figure out why something's not happening as fast as it should. So it's usually like, why is something not happening? Why does my dog keep doing this? Um, He keeps chewing his tail, but I took him to the vet and the blood test came back. Everything's fine. And they just said to give medicine, but I don't feel right about that. They usually don't feel right about something um, or they're not sure, you know, should I do this test or not? And like, well, even though the vet might be saying it, they're still like, it's nagging at them. And they're like, can you just tell me what my dog is saying, you know, or their dog is about to pass away and they want to get a sense of what the dog is thinking or the dog has passed away. And it's whatever age of life that the dog is, it's something in them is just so restless and it's churning. And they're like, I need some help. Right. So yeah, what I was saying earlier when I was uh, t- talking about you coming coming on is that um, you really approach it from an entrepreneurial way where people have a problem and, and you have the ability to provide a solution, mm-hmm. which is also what I do. So what's yeah. interesting is, and same with veterinarians, right? right. So mm-hmm. um, the combination of people being able to gain different 
different styles of information or different information from different people who have different professions. They can use that all together right. to, to achieve their goal. And maybe in some cases, you know, a veterinarian is obviously maybe a better solution than what I do or what you do and vice versa. And, and that way they can really understand their dog and really understand where their dog is coming from and then make educated decisions. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I can't diagnose, nor can you, no, the problem, no. but I, sometimes people want like that encouragement. Yeah. Go to the vet because, you know, it's, there's an expenditure and, and vets will typically say, you know, you've got several options. You can do this or this because they're sensitive, not because they're trying to make money to go on vacation because they have overhead costs and, and prescriptions costs. And so they often will give two options and the people are like, Oh my gosh, I love my animal, but should I spend this money? And when I can say, don't tell me what the diagnosis is, don't tell me anything. Let me just see what your animal says. I know you have a concern. And if I, when I go in and I can say, okay, you know, I'm intuitively tuning into your dog's body and I can see that there is a mass in the abdomen, or I can see that there is an inflamed area. And I, gosh, oh my gosh, I feel so much pain in my left hip. When I can say that kind of thing, and they haven't told me diagnosis or the symptoms, but it's verified by exactly what's going on. Then they're like, okay, I'm going to do this treatment. And then their dog is better. Or I'll say, can you I said, I think the medicine, I'm feeling like it's a lot in the system. Go back and ask your vet if they ever adjust the meds, the dosage, or if there's another med, because I feel like this is a lot for my body. And they will do that. And the, the vet will, sometimes they'll take them off the meds because it's a dosage and we need to communicate. And it's not a problem to go back to the vet to say, can you change the meds? because we do that with people. I don't, I feel like my medicine's too strong. I feel like my medicine's not enough. Yep. Absolutely. So, yeah. That village mentality and getting confidence um, to follow their own instinct is right. what's important in what you and I can do also with our training. Yeah. And I also think a way that you and I are are different than some standard training is that it really relies on getting information and not having a preset answer. You get that information and just from years of experience and just from intuition, although I do have a set formula that I adhere to, as I'm sure you do as well. I mean, you you know what you're going to do with that information. You know what information Mm -hmm. you need. And when the person tells you this, this, or this, there's no right answer. Whatever they provide to you is what they provide. And then Mm -hmm. you can take that and put it into a solution for them or advice for them. And then they can do what they they do with that advice to reach their goal. And so it's very similar similar process, I would say, or the way that we, um, you know, it's, you must get this. I mean, I get it a little bit when people are skeptic or they sort of say, oh, is it just fairy dust? Or are you just kind of good with dogs. It's like, no, it's Mm -hmm. an actual process. It's minds grounded in cognitive behavioral therapy and it adheres to that. But I also see yours being, um, you know, as much as people might think it's, it's fluffy, it's, it's actually something that, that you process through. Is that true? Oh, definitely. I mean, I have a formula and how I connect with the dog, how I clear myself because 
having our own projections. That's why I don't like to know about the dog. And when I teach people how to do this, whether at home or a professional, you know, I have a process that I have been trained to do. Um, I mean, I've trained teachers for years. I started in children's education uh, and I have my master's. So I'm very trained in how to build a community in a classroom in between a parent and a child or a teacher and a child. And now I'm just transferring it to a dog. Mm -hmm. And so I never intended to do that, but I'm like, oh gosh, all these skills are totally transferable. Um, So when the skeptics say, you know, oh, whatever, it's like, okay, first of all, we're often uncomfortable with something we don't understand. Absolutely. So that's a given. I get it. You know, when I started communicating with animals that had passed away, I was like, oh, wow, this is weird. But I can tell you that your dog passed away suddenly and your dog is like saying that what this was the best way because you had a trip plan and they, I didn't know they had a trip plan. Yeah. The dog, yeah. Totally the, get it. the dog is saying all this information, like, you know, lucky us that it was so quick because we didn't have the cost. We didn't have the grief of suffering and witnessing it's, you know, and so it's like, okay, I'm just going to, if someone wants to have this information and I can access it for them and they can use it to have comfort and peace and confidence in, and it transforms their relationship. It's happened enough times that I'm like, okay, fine. I'm okay. If you don't get it today, but you might be calling me a year from now or your best friend might and be sobbing with me shedding tears too. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it. So I do it. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's very genuine about it as well. I think if you and I weren't getting referrals and weren't helping people, and it it's not going to go perfectly with everybody. I mean, we're dealing with dogs, we're dealing with people, we're, you know, it it it's always helpful. It's always good. But if it if it wasn't, we just simply wouldn't do it. I mean, there's just, there would be no point in doing it. And that's sometimes so hard to explain to people. It's, you know what, you got, you just have to start. You have to start the program. You have to do it. We have to communicate. We have to to go through that process and, and you'll see, right. And then from there, you have a successful business. Yeah. Yeah. And in, and in terms of that satisfied clients, it's really up to them. I mean, anybody, a dog trainer can say, you know, it'd really be good if you trained your dog not to run out the front door. You know, I, I really want to emphasize you got to practice and, you know, I'm teaching you these steps to do. And the person is going to say, okay, yeah, fine. I'm going to do it. And then they don't practice it. And then their dog runs out one day. That's not the trainer's fault. They didn't practice it. And it same goes with the physical therapy, even for people or giving your dog the medicine at the same time every day and you do it for a month and then you don't want to go back and you're busy and you don't renew the prescription. And I always give that example of joining a gym. You can join a gym, but you got to (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. So it comes down to the relationship with them. Yeah. And people, I think, I, I mean, for me and probably same with you, I mean, you end up loving your clients and they're great and there is that communication and it's fantastic. So what, so what is, you know, your favorite part about what you do? I love talking with the dogs. I love talking with the dogs. I, I am amused. I'm, t- I, the, getting the different perspective of like, oh, I never thought of that. I never thought of the struggle that a dog has making sense of the world when they're no longer a cute puppy. It's sort of like, and and then they're an adult dog and suddenly like, get off the couch. Don't jump up. You're too big. 
versus, oh, how cute. I, this one dog who taught me that I was like, wow. And that's why puppies need to go to dog school sometimes when they're three and they like it because they're learning how to navigate. We don't just say, oh, you've been to kindergarten, you've been to school, so you don't need to go to high school. Some people, so it's the same with dogs. Yeah. It's the same with dogs. Yeah. And so learning that that from the dogs is my favorite thing. Learning the different perspectives and the enlightenment that comes. I just, I love doing that. And that is why I keep doing this for the dogs. I mean, I've had days where it's like, oh, why am I doing this? And then I talk to a dog and I'm like, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. 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 I've got to say, I I completely relate to that. It's, you know, the, the people get the aha moment, but for what I do, the dog already knows it. The dog already knows what I'm teaching the people. The dog looks at me like, thank you, lady, for teaching my people this. Yeah. The dog's like, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is. It is such a great feeling. So, um, well, what else do we have? Um, So I I guess, you know, what, what is upcoming for you? What's, what's on your upcoming agenda? What do you, what do you got going on? So people ask for more videos. They want to see more of the dogs. And so I'm working on that, the videos and how it works. So I've got classes coming. I've been teaching classes um, on a smaller level. People want more group classes to practice with each other and they want to watch it. So I'm developing all of those, which has been a process. And because I fine tune it, I get new revelations of like, oh, I want to touch this on it. So I'm doing that and getting ready for when things open up to do more special events in person and the classes in person with the dogs so people can meet the dogs. So that's coming. Um, my podcast continues. The cat episodes, I'm expanding on catter days. People love those as much. Uh, I keep doing that. There's been talks with TV stuff. Again, that just goes back to video, whether it's on TV or YouTube. The bottom line is, is increasing the video so people can see the dogs. And I think one of the things is showing the story more uh, of the transformation and getting people to come back because the skeptics and also the storytellers like to see, okay, we had this session. We heard about this dog. Let's revisit and find out what's going on a year later. So. Well, that's all Tracking super exciting. The stories of the dogs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm the same with the rescue dogs. I love. I love the stories. You know that uh, where they start out, where they end up, um, and videos. People do love video, don't they? They just they love seeing before and after, and they love seeing the dog. And yeah, yeah. Good for you. I think that's great. Do you want to tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, where you are? Sure. So I have my website, uh, talkingwiththedogs.com. Most people, especially new ones who are exploring this, come through Instagram. So I'll just say, come to Instagram, send me your email, and I can put you on the list and send you the information. People um, should just go to Instagram, Talking With The Dogs. Talking With The Dogs. Yep, that's a great place. uh, you're and on Clubhouse too, because I'm on Clubhouse. And, and yes, we've... thank you. Yes. Yes. So, Clubhouse, I have rooms. Uh, there's a puppy talk room on Wednesdays. And the grief room is probably the most popular. Yeah. Um, people are always amazed. They will come and they will say, Such and such just happened. And I can't believe I stumbled across this room. I feel so much better. And yeah. it's a way, it's free. 
And if someone needs a link to that or to get on Clubhouse to learn more about that, that's a really special place to come and near and dear to my heart. So I would recommend message me on Instagram as well for the grief room on Clubhouse. Now you're Liz on Clubhouse, right? Liz Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Liz Murdoch, a clubhouse <laughs> animal communicator and our, my rooms, you can find out there as well on my page. And the, the grief room is Monday nights at 6 PM Pacific standard time. Perfect. Thank well, you. thank you so much for sharing all that with us. You're just so genuine and, and it just, it really comes through and your expertise in particular comes through. So I'm sure we'll be keeping in touch and thank you so much for sharing everything with us, Liz. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much to Liz Murdoch of Talking With The Dogs for taking the time to share that with us. She is amazing, very passionate. I think Liz would agree that an important skill is the ability to ask the right questions. My clients often think I am asking a question for a completely different reason than I am, such as asking about leash walking. They automatically tell me if their dog is good or bad on a leash walk. With cognitive behavioral therapy, we do not focus on whether a behavior is good or bad, but rather whether the skills or the exercises can be integrated into the activity easily and successfully. In other words, is it a teaching opportunity or is it where we're applying the skills? So in the previous episode, I gave some suggestions for exercises to do on a walk. I'm going to talk about the feedback I receive from listeners and what changes happen when you can apply them. How does that change your dog's perception of you and your ability to calmly manage all situations? How does your dog perceive those commands or exercises? And how can you use them to gain calm manageability in other areas? So three examples of feedback from listeners who applied the reset and release command on a walk I'm going to talk about. And with all of these, we actually continued to work together afterwards. So the first one is Jeff with Riley. Riley is a nervous, fearful dog and Jeff is fostering him. So Riley was less nervous on walks than in the home, so it never occurred to Jeff to apply the exercises on a walk. So once he started doing that, just very basic exercises, he noticed that Riley no longer peed on every tree. So he would do his reset and then give his release command and let Riley go up to every tree. And he was like, huh, that's that's odd. He used to pee and, and now he's not peeing on every tree. What that was, was Riley actually, it was a habit he did that decreased his anxiety on his own. So he was feeling anxious, but he learned how by habit to decrease that. So what we were doing was resetting the brain constantly and consistently using the exercises so that when he went up to the tree, he didn't feel the need to do that behavior or that habit. And as we continued to work together and increase the exercises and implement them into the home. He learned he didn't have to do what was habit in the home that was also signs of anxiety in order to remain safe. The second example is with Monica and Bo. Bo is nervous on walks. So Monica had done these exercises in the home initially, just regular before we started working together. And she had done it in the home for a treat and for getting to the food bowl. So then she applied them on the walk. And she noticed that he started to pee on the walks, which he had never done before due to anxiety. So that's a really good sign. She then started to apply it to get across the street. When we started working together, 
He was all very nervous to go into the park across the street. So she started to apply the exercises and he would go in. The reason for that is that we reset the brain and changed his perception of her. So he started to go into the park. Then he started to pee and poo in the park, which is a great sign. And as we continued to work together and advance the exercises and apply them in different areas, we then applied them again to the park. He used to be very fearful or try to bolt. I mean, he's on leash, so he couldn't. But he would try to bolt when a dog in the park barked. And he no longer did that when she applied all these different exercises that we had been working on. So they literally prevented his brain from going into panic mode. And how she taught them and applied them was specific to him, but she learned how to do that. And that continuously decreased his need to feel panic. The third example, excuse me, the third example is Tracy with Chester. Chester is a silly, happy dog. And by doing these exercises on a walk, Chester was a little calmer and he was more focused. And she could see that he, he was listening to her better. So she started to apply them in preparation for the walk, getting the leash on, that type of thing. And he became calmer there. So he was perceiving her differently and he was being calmer. So we applied these exercises and we really advanced them because there's no anxiety or behavioral issues here. So we did a lot of different exercises to higher level and we incorporated them. And he just, he literally just became a mature version of the same happy Chester. He viewed Tracy differently. He chose his his own behavior to be calmer. She wasn't forcing him to be calmer. He just was from using his brain. So none of these responses or changes were what people were necessarily worried about or what they expected, but they noted the changes in their dog's perception of them and their dog's ability to think and work things through. Changing the human mindset from correcting or teaching behavior to providing skills that allow the dog to make those choices requires understanding cognitive behavioral therapy, the process that it takes, and how it applies to dogs. I get feedback from clients and I take that feedback and I use it to provide them with more information. That information adheres to the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy and follows the upper dogology formula or system. It also needs to be flexible based on the results of the application. So having one set predetermined technique or solution can be limiting as it could be successful with one dog, but not another. I'm going to give you an example of this, and this is a client example. So they had hired a trainer because their dog, Tabby, is fearful of people coming in the home. The trainer suggested getting the dog comfy with being in a different room, and they were going to accomplish this by using standard operant conditioning or associative training techniques. And although this is fine, it's certainly not harmful, and it can be successful, really didn't suit what my clients wanted. And they felt it really wasn't what Tabby wanted. They wanted their dog to be part of their family. And they didn't want to force Tabby to be happy in a room by herself when they really felt that she wouldn't be. So with cognitive behavioral therapy, we established the skills outside of the situation. And then we applied it in the home to a little bit higher level. That also allowed my clients to read Tabby to determine her level of comfort and provide her with options. We decreased the anxiety in other areas and increased the skills around the home when it wasn't with people, and then we applied it when people visited. Initially, Tabby chose to keep beside her peeps, 
even when the people were there, which is good. She didn't bolt. She didn't get nervous because they were applying the skills and the techniques. And after a few visits, which we used different people, she chose to, to be a little more comfortable and walk around and even go up and meet a few of them. And then she started to choose to just kind of go off and lay down. So essentially, the end goal is along the same lines of what the other trainer had decided. But the journey to get there allowed my clients to bond with Tabby, to understand what her goals were, and to provide her with the comfort and skill set to make that decision on her own. They weren't trying to get her to like a decision. They were getting her to be comfortable so she could make that decision. And the focus was not to prevent the anxiety by putting her in a room, but rather address the anxiety that allowed Tabby to make that decision comfortably. And even though she didn't go to another room, she did decide to stay in the room, just be a little bit farther away. And that worked for everybody. And as we go along farther, she again might continue to make different decisions. And that's exactly what cognitive behavioral therapy allows her to do. So I would love to hear from my listeners. You can email me at billy at upperdogology.com. Please follow me on Instagram. There's lots of great videos there. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. That is Upper Dogology, LinkedIn. I'm Billy Groom. I'm also on Clubhouse. Please stay tuned for the relaunch of my book. Please uh, check out any of these other episodes and share them. Leave a rating and review. If you have any questions, excuse me, if you have any questions, please reach out to me. You can email me. I'm now accepting clients from outside of Canada on an individual basis. So please email me first. You can get there from my website www.upperdogology.com. And I am continuing to actively pursue collaborations with industry experts to launch a course teaching Upward Dogology. Thank you again for all your support. And thanks to the Jeff Murdoch Band and Open Strum for their music. And as always, enjoy your learning journey.